announcements, that's good. Um, we're going to hear the Bible read now, and Lachlan, I don't know where he is, but he, he knows where to go. Uh, Lachlan's going to read the Bible for us, so <laughs> So yeah, I'm Lachlan or Greg, and the Bible verse is on the first page of the handout, or the final chapter, or chapter 6. Start in chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be turned, and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. When I was young, <laughs> when I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful, a miracle. It was beautiful. It was magical. Oh, you know this song. All the birds in the trees, well, they'd be singing so happily, so joyfully, playfully, watching me. What happens next? Does anyone know? James? <laughs> but then they said <laughs> No, it's the rest of the verse. But, but then they sent me away to teach me how to be sensible, logical, oh responsible, practical. And they showed me a world where I could be so dependable, oh clinical. Oh, intellectual, cynical. <laughs> Some of you may have heard that song in your parents' or even grandparents' collection. The chorus goes on to say, Won't you please, 
Please tell me what I've learned. I know it sounds absurd. Please tell me who I am. Who am I? Am I deep down that carefree child for whom everything is new and magical? Nothing's a threat. It's something to be explored. It's, it's beautiful. Or am I actually really what I have become? The anxious, analytical, cynical realist. Which one is real? Which one is true? That young person that I longed to be and loved being. Or is it who I am now? Who I feel like I have become? Or is it just the system that has squeezed my individuality out and I'm now this, this cookie-cutted person who is like everybody else? And who can go back and redo the experiment anyway to try and see how I would have turned out if I'd not, they'd not put me through school and through university and exams and assignments and everything to make me into a normal person? Who, what would I have been like? Well, no one can rewrite the experiments, can redo it. We're all strapped into the apparatus. None of us are outside of it to be able to say, this is who you really are. We're all strapped in for the ride. Is there a way to see clearly what actually is going on with this whole world? Is there any way that I can accurately understand actually who I am? Isaiah in this chapter takes us back to when he was a young man. He was a young man and the winds of change were beginning to blow across the land of Palestine. News of a distant nation, Assyria, was gathering momentum with a leader who was bent on conquest. At home in Jerusalem, life had been carefree and beautiful and magical under King Uzziah. King Uzziah, somewhat like, somewhat like Queen Elizabeth of our day, long-reigning, Every generation that's alive at the moment doesn't know a time when she didn't reign, when he didn't reign, King Uzziah. It's just always been that way. But the death of King Uzziah triggers, triggers an uneasy chill across the nation. World affairs are pressing in and internal affairs are falling apart. It was difficult and uncertain to see what the days ahead would bring. But for Isaiah himself, it triggered a moment when he grasped reality as it really was, as he'd never seen it before as a child growing up. He saw with crystal clarity, and we see it here in what Isaiah writes in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, the great king is dead. And what does it do for Isaiah? It clears the ground 
so he can see who really is the king. Who's the true king? Not the king of prosperity and success, but the awesome and holy king who sits on the throne. And he is huge. In a flash, Isaiah can see truly and clearly what had been masked by prosperity and success and security. He sees the Lord, who is the, the king beyond measure, uncontainable. The hem is actually what it is, the train, the, the, the hem of his robe fills the temple. The temple had an internal ceiling of about 15 metres, maybe four or five times what this is, an external height of about 50 metres. Isaiah's in the temple, the hem of his robe fills the entire temple. This king is huge, he fills all reality beyond the temple and he is awesome he is bigger than any king that Isaiah has ever seen and Isaiah says I saw him I saw the king and like everyone who sees God in the Bible Isaiah doesn't recount anything of what he actually sees of the personal features or personal appearance of the Lord. I saw him. His robe, the hem of his robe, filled everything. But what he does see, he describes. And there are these six, uh, these six winged balls of fire called seraphim. That's what a seraphim are. They're, they're, they're the fiery ones. Verse 2. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. These fiery ones is, is what they look like to Isaiah. And they, well, they're six-winged. They're interesting creatures. Uh, they're pretty well coordinated. They have two wings with which they cover their eyes, two they cover their feet, and two that they fly with. Some of us are barely able to control our forelimbs uh, to keep us going in the one direction, let alone coordinate with this mid-air flight of all of these fiery ones that are just this amazing vision, amazing reality, and they call out they're, everything's covered, but not their mouths, you notice. They call out to each other, Holy, holy, holy. In Hebrew, the way that you intensify something is not by adding the word things like very. You know, we go, we put an adjective out the front. Very, very. Uh, you, you use the noun again. You say, good, good. is very good. This one is holy. Holier, holiest. And the thunderous message shakes the temple foundations and it's filled with smoke. See, God is seen. 
Not when you make out his facial features and go, ah, that looks like God. No, not his facial features, though if he was to have them. But when you grasp his character, that he is holy, holier, holiest of all kings, whose glory saturates and swells every molecule of existence in the universe, then you see God. When you grasp his character. But what does this word mean? Holy. Or holy. It's just a word. It's a four-letter word. For many. It sounds pompous and archaic. Holy. <laughs> sounds pompous. It can't hurt you. It's just a word. Words are just words. They can't do anything to you. Well, whatever these words are, the reality of the message that they convey causes Isaiah to have a breakdown. He's totally collapsed and falling apart. He sees the Lord clearly and it opens his eyes to himself, what he is like. See yourself clearly and you'll grasp what it means to be holy, which is what Isaiah sees, how unholy he is. You see it there in verse 5. Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If you remember back in chapter 5 last week when Isaiah is casting judgment upon the, the, the nation of Judah and on Jerusalem. What does he say? Woe to you who join house to house and field to field. Woe to you who rise early in the morning and run after strong drink. Woe to those who twist good and call it evil. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. Confronted with God... Isaiah says, woe is me. Woe is me. It's not those people out there who are in danger of God's judgment. It's me. It's me. Seeing the Lord exposes Isaiah to himself. And the certainty of right judgment from God. And he can answer, who am I? Well, I'm somebody who is completely ruined and undone in the face of this king, of this God. Do you ever wonder at times in your life, or whether there's been times in your life, that, and you can never know it, where you've been a whisker away from being killed? Just that fraction of a moment that you didn't realise, and maybe nobody even realised that where you could have ended up under the proverbial bus or hit by whatever it may be and you just didn't even know and you just escaped. This is a bit morbid, isn't it? But wouldn't it be interesting to be able to look at the, the video of your life, the replay, and to be shown you almost died right there. You, you were a whisker away from death. 
see what reality was really like that you didn't have eyes to see. Isaiah here is shown reality. And he can see that actually reality and who he really is is that he is ruined and he's he's lost. Uh, that woe language you saw last week is like you're dead. You the the man holding the gun has pressed the trigger. The bullet is on its way. You're effectively dead. You're done away with. The bomb is about to land in front of you. The grenade, whatever it is, you are gone. And Isaiah realizes that's himself. Why? Because he's a man of unclean lips who lives amongst the people of unclean lips. It's not that we we lie and only ever lie and all we ever can do is lie and we can never say anything that's true. That's not necessarily just the unclean lips. We say many true statements. But we don't act in line with them. We say things like, I love everyone equally. While we despise many prejudicially. We say we belong to the Lord while we live as though everything belongs to me. And God doesn't count. If you had your own seraphim, your own fiery ones, flying around above you, crying out three words, what would they be that characterise you? Holy, holy, holy? Or would it be liar, liar, liar? Compromise, compromise, compromise. They claim to be a people who loved God and followed God. They loved God at all. They didn't follow him at all. Isaiah realised he didn't either. And he's driven to see himself and all of its ugliness and in its danger. And he can see that the Lord is holy and dangerous. But it's interesting. This is not for Isaiah a moment of self-pity and introspectiveness of just like, oh, woe is me, uh, which can look humble when people are like that. Oh, I'm hopeless, I'm hopeless. Woe is me, I'm hopeless. It looks humble, but it just is an expression of me evaluating myself rather than actually seeing things as they really are. It's not even seeing God such that you lose sight of yourself or you lose consciousness of what you are really like. Maybe you've heard that from time. You see God such that you lose yourself. No, Isaiah sees God and he sees himself as he really is. Not in self-pity, but if you see yourself truly condemned, then you'll see God clearly, holy. But it's not the end of the story. One of the seraphim, these flying ones, these burning ones, flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. See, has judgment come? 
burning coal in the hands of one of these burning ones flies way down from up high down to Isaiah. Is this the end? But he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away. And if we were to well, fast forward, actually go back, fast forward in Isaiah's ministry and go back to chapter 1, we can hear some of the, his ministry coming through. Though your, chapter 1, though your sins are like scarlet, they'll become like as white as snow. Chapter 1, verse 25, I will smelt away all your alloy and your dross. I will cleanse you. Chapter 4, when the Lord shall have washed away sin by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. You can hear where Isaiah is getting his ministry from. Removal of guilt comes through painful cleansing, purifying sacrifice of someone else, not Isaiah. It comes through someone else. Now, if you're up for a bit of a snooze, get up a bit, there's now a bit of a time to have a bit of a snooze if you haven't already. Um, just what's in the background here? Uh, Leviticus 16 might be something you could jump, uh, jump down and have a look at later on, where the Day of, of Atonement has the sacrifice of an animal which atones for the sin of the people. I think that's in the background here. Because one of the coals that this seraph brings comes from the altar. But it's interesting that never in the whole sacrificial system description is there anything like atonement coming through the coals from the sacrificial altar, like being used to like brand people's lips or anything. There's something different here, something different that God is doing. What does this? What does it mean? You can check that out and have a think about that for yourself after reading Leviticus 16. Back on board. Um, Isaiah, however, is declared to be not guilty. He's declared to be not guilty. Not because he's been hardworking at his godly disciplines. Not because he's been offering sacrifices in the temple. Nor because he's been giving his time and serving the Lord and he's full of the joy of the Lord. He's declared to be not guilty because of the word spoken that comes from God himself, no doubt, on the basis of the sacrifice of atonement. Isaiah's cleansing reveals to him that this king is the holy and glorious Lord Jesus, who is and who will in the distant future be the one who provides atonement and cleansing for the sin of the people when he takes on himself the burning anger of God against sin. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 41, where John says, Isaiah, as, it, as John is recounting Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said these things 
because he saw the glory and spoke of Jesus. John says that when Isaiah saw the Lord and received atonement for his sin, he was looking down the barrel of time, looking down the, the tube of time and seeing Jesus, the glorious King, who sits on the throne and provides atonement, cleansing from sin. See, seeing the Lord is to see him as the true and holy King, whose presence spells disaster, but whose cleansing spells forgiveness. That's to see clearly. That's to see God clearly. That's to see Jesus clearly. And, point four, Isaiah is cleansed. Cleansed for a word of judgment. Because Isaiah now hears the Lord speak. You can see in verse eight. He hears. He hears the Lord speak. Whom shall I send? And who will go before us? Or go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and say to the people. Isaiah is commissioned to speak for God. He volunteers himself. Some would say in a moment of madness. He's caught up. He volunteers himself. I will go for you, Lord, whatever. And this is the message, this is the commission that God gives to him. This is your message, Isaiah. Say to them, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and make and their ears heavy, their eyes blind, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What is the mission of Isaiah that he's now got himself into? God says, preach and generate judgment. Your success is that you're a failure. Your success is that you're faithfully preaching the message such that people don't turn. That's so that people don't turn and receive forgiveness. That's your message, Isaiah. You would think that if you were commissioned by God personally, and you knew that you were commissioned by God personally, you would think, great, I'm assured of success. God himself has given me a job to do. It's to turn people away. God says to Isaiah, don't lecture to the exam. Don't lecture to the... You know, they, you get those lectures, those last few lectures of your course where you get all the hints of what's going to be in the exam and you, you, get, you get given the exam. Uh, you say it's going to be last year with a few changes. What's that do? Well, anybody who doesn't really understand the subject but knows how to find an exam paper and, and memorise an answer will pass the exam and progress to the next level having not understood the subject. And what God is saying here is, don't preach repentance. Do the sacrifices. Bring the prayers. Remember chapter 1. They're bringing multitudes of sacrifices and prayers to God. And God says, I don't want them. Because you're doing what you think I've said to do, but you don't know me. 
Now he's saying, don't bring sacrifices. Don't repent. Isaiah, I want you to preach such that judgment, right judgment, comes on these people. How long, O Lord? How long do I have to preach for? Is it 20 minutes? Is that all? Just 20 minute sermon? No. How long? Until, well, until everything is destroyed. Well, actually, until 90% of the whole nation is destroyed and only 10% is left. And that 10%, well, until it's destroyed too. And all that is left is just a stump. Verse 13, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is that stump. Everything will be done away with. 10% left. It will be reduced to just a stump in the land. And that is the holy seed. Destruction is the true word. But it's not the last word from God. The same holiness of God which endangered Isaiah and destroys Judah will establish new growth from this stump. Do you remember Jesus' words in John twelve, uh, John fifteen? Sorry, I am the vine. God's done away with the <coughs> vine of Judah and establishes a new vine. One shoot. And in that vine will be many fruitful branches for people who trust in Jesus. Those who are given eyes to see the answer to the question, Who am I? Whether you've asked that question of yourself or not. If you're given eyes to see the answer to that question, you should recoil in horror about what you truly see about yourself and despair at the sentence of God. People who see truly will see themselves as they are and they'll see God as he is. Holy, holy, holy. His message to us is awful and wonderful. Who am I? Truly, I'm an unclean man. Proud, arrogant, prejudiced, racist, sexist, selfish. Who stands condemned before a holy God. Except that he's declared your sin is atoned for on the basis of the sacrifice I've provided through Jesus. What's your answer? who am I? I'm somebody who's headed for success. I'm somebody who's headed for greatness. I'm somebody who just gets on with doing okay, doing well, happy with mediocrity. I'm somebody who, who are you? You won't know yourself until you've seen yourself in relation to a God who is holy Holy, holy. And I pray that we may see God as he is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.
for this amazing vision that you've given your servant Isaiah. You've allowed him to see yourself, your character of holiness beyond everything else, which has led him to judgment and the danger of judgment. Lord, may we see ourselves as we truly are, such that we may see you as you truly are, the Holy King whose glory fills the earth. And may we latch on to the forgiveness and cleansing that there is in Jesus and not let go of him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue on in prayer. And, uh, yeah. that's going to lead us. Hello. Oh. I've never used one of these before. This is a little bit exciting. Okay. Hey guys, I'm Jacob. I'm a first year science student and I have the privilege of praying for us today. So if you would bow your heads with me now and pray. Um, dear Glorious King, thank you so much that we can come and be in your presence and uh, freely gather here today at Uni Bible Group. Uh, I pray that you would help us to reflect on who we are in relation to you and how we treat other people and treat you, Lord. Uh, thank you so much that we've been cleansed and forgiven uh, through Jesus' blood and death on the cross, Lord. Um, I, praise you, I praise you, Lord, for the things that we've been going through um, in, the, in the Bible studies throughout the faculty groups. Thank you that people have been learning about the book of John, Colossians, and we've had been having some fruitful one-to-ones this session. Um, praise you, Lord, for the first years who've been looking through and memorising two ways to live in the faculty Bible studies. Um, we'd like to pray for courage and wisdom as they go out on campus next week and to tell the people the good news of Jesus. And Lord, we'd also like to pray for the planning of the campus split between the Liverpool and Bankstown. Um, I pray that it would have a minimal effect on the groups and the work that goes on there. And we pray for many um, people who don't know Jesus would come and hear the gospel clearly. I pray that we would help to glorify you in the way that we go about studying for our final exams and that everyone could get excited and prepared for NYC. Amen. Amen.